With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Football season is all about competition. When it comes to tailgating, that competition isn't limited to the playing field. Start with better meat from Fairway. Hand cut, fresh, and affordable. Fairway gives you the advantage in tailgating excellence. Get ready for kickoff with the best selection of meats and all the fixings from Fairway. HN Podcast. I'm John Miller along with Steve Dace. Going to talk a little bit about Iowa's 26-20 win against Purdue from this week. And a look ahead to Iowa's next game, which is Northwestern. Uh, I shared some of my thoughts in the Instant Reaction podcast, Steve. What were some of your thoughts in a game where Iowa was favored by 17 and a half? In our HN uh, Hawkeye Nation picks, I certainly took uh, I took the points with Purdue. Um, and as Jeff Brom has schemed pretty well against Iowa. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it wasn't as close as it should have been, or maybe it turned out to be just right. What were your thoughts on the game? It was pretty much the game I thought it was going to be. I thought it might be a little bit more high scoring. But I, um, uh, I thought Iowa might win by a little bit more. I didn't think it was going to cover the 17 or 18 point spread, depending on where you looked. Uh, there's still, tr- I was still trying to find itself offensively, trying to find a rhythm there, and trying to figure out how to develop a consistent passing game when the play action is not the threat that it is in years past. So I was still trying to figure that out. Purdue is, of course, as we've talked about on the Bigger Ten podcast. I mean, there is there is unraveled by systemic injuries as any team in the Big Ten I can think of in recent memory. But um, but they're starting to develop something there with the David Bell, who was a big time recruit for them. And you know, there's nothing good that comes from an injury to a player of the magnitude of Rondale Moore, but it has forced David Bell to develop faster, maybe than uh, he was ready. And next season, when they've got those two uh, going with each other, yikes, look out, you know. But uh, Iowa was just uh, was too strong in the trenches uh, and then got some, I think, some benefit of some uh, Jeff Brom game management decisions, one in particular down the stretch, and that was the story of the game. Yeah, the onside kick, I think, is what you're talking about when they, they really right. didn't need, didn't really need to do that and, and helped Iowa put uh, put some more points on the board. And, yeah, I mean, David Bell is somebody that Iowa really wanted. Iowa was, I think, probably in his final three, but, you know, Bell had the opportunity to see what Rondale Moore did in that offense last year, and why wouldn't you want to go play receiver uh, in that offense? Just, just a great, great player. You know, and, and Iowa didn't exactly, you know, they didn't pitch a shutout by any any means. Uh, they allowed 360 yards, but I, I thought on the whole, the defense, the defense played pretty good. Purdue's going to get passing yardage on most teams. Uh, it's just that you can't also let them run, and Iowa held them to 33 yards rushing. Purdue's offensive line is pretty bad. Um, so, uh, like you, I, I think this game went according to script by and large. But for me, Steve, I, you know, Iowa is now seven games into this season. And Iowa continued to move guards, especially left guard, in and out with one of the Paulsons as well as Cody Ince. And they, they can't run the ball. 
they are they are hardly doing anything close to exerting their will at the line of scrimmage on the offensive line side of the ball. Doesn't matter that you have two of the best offensive tackles in the league when the interior of your line, namely at guards, are just not playing well. And I, I think this this is just something I don't anticipate them getting fixed this year. So I, I think we've got probably a glass ceiling of eight wins, uh, which is what you and I both predicted for them before the season. Maybe nine if they beat everyone else in their schedule other than Wisconsin. And, and frankly, looking at, you know, th- that's not wholly unrealistic, but it's probably going to be a, a nail biter in most of these games because I just I think the Iowa offense is going to struggle to run the ball. And when they struggle to run the ball, they struggle to win. Agree. I think you're looking at a situation where the the problems Iowa has just aren't fixable in real time during a season, unfortunately. And those problems are you need um, the one true physically gifted. Let me stop. Everybody that's got a scholarship at a successful FBS program is is gifted. OK, Um uniquely, extraordinarily gifted. Let's throw those adjectives in there. Or in the case of extraordinary, adverbs. Let's throw those modifiers in there, okay? The one that we know of, uniquely, unique, extraordinarily gift, gifted running back, is a, it needs another year in, uh, with Chris Doyle to be trusted to handle the ball and take that the kind of punishment that is demanded in an Iowa offense. And I think the same thing you have with the youth there in the interior of that offensive line. That's just going to take another year of timing, another year of development, uh, et cetera. And those things just don't get better holistically. I mean, guys will improve, but when you're limited physically, the strain and rigor of a season – and, and meaning you're, we're getting into the time of year now that every time you take a snap, it's a loss leader because of how physical the game is. So the, the, the strain and the rigor of the game itself, if when you're limited physically, it's very difficult to get better. You can improve your technique, awareness, things of that nature, but physically, you, you, it's just it's almost impossible to improve and, get de- and develop during the course of a season. And that's what makes you know the strength and conditioning coach next to the head coach the most important guy in any football program. And that's just where Iowa's at right now. And then you look at you know if you look at Iowa's team as it's currently constructed and the way it's going to look the rest of the year, in a way. It's, it looks like the 2004 team, just without Drew Tate. You're trading Drew Tate for Nate Stanley. And the front seven, so you have your Epinesa in the Matt Roth role, but you don't have Chad Greenway and Abdul Hodge playing linebacker there and covering, you know, three yards with every time they every time they take a, a you know uh, every time they take a step in space and so I, I think that's what you're looking at you're looking at a, a poor man's version of that team that uh, you had in 2004 and given the schedule I was playing that's probably going to be an eight and four nine and three team it's our free installation sale event this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at Flooring America. For three days only, receive free installation and free pad on any carpet purchase. Plus, receive free home measure and estimate, free carpet and pad tear-out, free delivery, free furniture moving, and free carpet and pad haul-away. And buy now with 36-month interest-free financing. Hurry in to Flooring America this Thursday through Saturday and save. Yeah, and would you believe that seven games into the season, 
Nate Stanley is your leading passer in the Big Ten Conference relative to average yards per game? Yes and no. I mean, because I, I, well, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't believe it based on you know history or reputation. But watching the team and the rest of the Big Ten and the and and CI was essentially become one dimensional. Yes, I would believe it, and I think that goes to. This is why I think the critic. I don't, I don't I get the criticism of Brian Ferentz. I don't. And I, you know, I understand they went through a streak here where they scored two offensive touchdowns in 33 possessions. I want to say it was, but um, he's doing schematically what Iowa fans and people like me that have followed the team closely professionally for many years have wanted. He's attempting to show more imagination. He is trying to pass to set up the run. They're not just sitting there and stubbornly accepting two and a half yards or three yards a carry. They're not doing that, you know? And the reality though is you're seeing why in past years, Ference has played this as close to the vest as he has. You know, this might be the, if we all agree, this is probably the best receiving core that Iowa has had, you know, since, you know, DJK and Marvin McNutt. But to be brutally honest, John, it would be like the fifth or sixth at best receiving core in the Big Ten. You know, mm-hmm. Nate, Nate Stanley's, and that's that's probably being kind to some extent. Nate Nate Stanley is is going to set every single re- record, but this wasn't a guy that had 35, you know, Division One offers at quarterback. So, you know, it's a developmental program, and um, it's it's much easier to develop guys in the trenches than it is at the skill positions, because that's a lot about your level of God given talent, and. I think that's what you're seeing is schematically. I think there's all kinds of imagination. I think, you know, in, in the betting world, we call this a pros versus Joe's analysis, meaning where the Joe public is on one side because they think, you know, they have kind of the, the public sentiment versus what the wise guys over there and the, uh, uh, you know, uh, sitting at the craps table on their phones with their apps, waiting for the new lines to refresh what they think, what are called the sharps. And I kind of feel that way about Brian Ferentz. I think this is a pros versus Joes. But I think that I think the public sentiment is not totally wrong. I mean, two touchdowns and 33 possessions is atrocious. Even if you are, if you did go against, um, you know, uh, two of the right now, according to SP Analytics, Penn State and Michigan are two of the top five defenses in the country right now in adjusted defensive efficiency. And one of the reasons why I like SP analytics is because they adjust for strength of schedule for the, the and, and for tempo, meaning if you play teams with faster tempo at the same time. So those are two top five, top six defenses in the country. I would play them back to back, you know, so even even against competition that good two offensive touchdowns and 33 possessions is not good. But it's more complicated than just that bottom line because he is attempting to do things we've, you've wanted an Iowa OC to do for a long time. And physically, there's, there's just certain limitations there, especially when you can't hold the interior point of attack, uh, point of attack in pass pro. That, that, that's going to blow up a lot. Ask Tom Brady, the GOAT, whether he'd rather, whether he'd rather face an A.J. Epinesa coming off the edge or pressure right in his face. And he's always going to take the guy coming off the edge. I can climb the pocket. I can roll out. We can move the pocket. There's almost no defense. Why, you know, who's the more valuable defensive player in the NFL right now? Aaron Donald of the Rams or, or the, whoever is the best edge pass rusher in the league right now. It's Aaron Donald. 
because he blows up the interior of your line and he's in the quarterback's face so that he can't climb the pocket. He can't see over him. He can't get through his progressions. You can't move the pocket. You can't get around him. And then that's, that's in a way what Iowa's facing right now on top of the fact that it can't consistently run the ball, which is its bread and butter. It is. And I think that's a, a good summation of it all. And we'll could likely continue to see that unfold. And Iowa's next opponent, and, and really when you look at the obviously they, they play Northwestern next and they have a bye, then they play Wisconsin. We'll talk about Wisconsin quite a bit more in the uh, Bigger Ten podcast this week as they lost to Illinois. Uh, and then after that, they've got uh, Minnesota and Nebraska. So, I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it at this point. You got Northwestern, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, and I can't even remember the other one. But Northwestern's next. And Northwestern's offense is abysmal. And, and that doesn't, that's probably not even a strong enough word for them. They, they, there's 130 FBS teams this year. Northwestern ranks 127th in total offense, uh, 84th in rushing offense. And their rushing offense gets a little bit of a jolt in the arm as Bowser returned this past week. And he had his coming out party against Iowa last year. 128, or 126 rather, in passing offense. 130th in team passing efficiency, 128th in scoring mm. offense. They, if it weren't for Rutgers, yes, they would, be, they would be the worst offense of any Power Five team, and they're probably one of the four worst offenses in the sport. Period. They don't have a quarterback right now, and even though they do have a very good front seven, that's going to cause Iowa a lot of problems. If this is a time that you you know you're, you're going to go get Patty in uh, in Evanston and feel confident about it, you got to win this game with an offense as bad as this one. But this one, brother, is going to be played in the pitch. So you want a hot take? Let me serve one up for you. This is this is potentially the second worst offense in the Big Ten since Minnesota finished last in total offense back in 1991. And mm. until Rutgers did it last year, no Big Ten team had done that since 1991. So no one's talking about them. It's a little bit like until last week in Iowa City, James Franklin was 0-11 in his career on the road against ranked teams. But because his name's not Jim Harbaugh, nobody knew that. <laughs> All right. And and it's a little bit like because they're not they're not called Rutgers. No one's even looking at that holistic, um, uh, you know, profile, statistical profile of Northwestern's that you just laid out. No one's even looking at that because it's kind of hard to pay attention to the the, the person who, um, you know, uh, who had their their legs chopped off. In a, in a gruesome accident when the person next to him got decapitated and the, and the eyes are still uh, are blinking. That's Rutgers. OK. And so I mean, but so you're like totally distracted by the fact something tragic is going on right here just within your eyesight. But you can't take your eyes off of Rutgers. The reality is Northwestern is historically bad. And I think it's the worst offense we've seen in the league, at least so far. And, and, and almost as long of a time as what we've seen historically out of Rutgers. Um, and when you look at the fact it's just one year removed from being in the Big Ten championship game, and I think this is, this is what happens when you're a developmental program, and, you're, and, and if one of two things happens to you, A, you have one bad recruiting class. 
right? Because you're 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 doing this the old-fashioned way. You're not locking and lo- reloading with you know first-year guys and you know guys who are, come right out of the Under Armour game and then they are early enrollees, spring ball. You're not doing that. You're playing the old games where guys matriculate through your system. Fifth-year seniors are still a thing in your program, and so if you miss a, if you miss too many evals or have too much or too many evals or you have too much attrition in one recruiting class, you're going to have that dip year where your numbers just slide in terms of personnel and you're going to implode. Or if you miss eval on a quarterback, that'll do the same thing to you as well because you don't have the talent around you. Because that's the great irony is the more of a developmental program you are, that's where Iowa and Wisconsin are a little bit different. But, you know, most of your developmental programs are more quarterback dependent. Because they need that guy to be a rising tide that lifts all boats. That's definitely true of Northwestern. It's the most quarterback-dependent program in the league. I've said that on the podcast here for years. Mm -hmm. And they don't have one on campus right now. They just don't. Hunter Johnson never panned out. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to root against a young man. I hope he turns it around. I just am skeptical that when you had an entire year to develop quietly behind the scenes in that program sitting out as a transfer, I don't know that suddenly the light goes on the next year, you know, this, you had, you had an entire year to develop, you know? So, um, I don't think it's their numbers. I don't, I mean, looking at all the roster evaluations I did prior to the season, this roster rated pretty typical of what Northwestern's had the last couple of years when, what it did win 31 games or something the last three seasons or something like that. So the roster overall is about where it's been. They, so it wasn't that they missed on a, on, on too many evals or, too much attrition in one class. In this case, they missed on the quarterback and they were really hoping Hunter Johnson's going to step in and at least give them what Clayton Thorson did, but maybe even more athletically. And instead he's, you know, he's, he's making CJ Bechet right now, you know, look like, um, uh, uh, <laughs> Red Grange and, and frankly, he's not even playing. Uh, and then behind him is a guy none of us had even heard of. He's the starter now, Aiden Smith. So, I mean, that's a, um, that's an Arthur Sitkowski level starting quarterback situation. And even at Northwestern, there's a lot of esprit de corps there. You know, I'm a bid patch, I'm a Pat Fitzgerald slappy, but we're, in the end, we're only human. And I wondered, you know, uh, on Friday night, as I was, I wasn't watching that game, but I was following as it was unfolding on social mm-hmm. media while I was doing some other things. And when it's 52 to three, now you, you wonder if you start reaching the point now where the defensive guys are kind of like, we know that if 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 if, if it's a two touchdown game, it might as well be a nine touchdown game, right. and and that's where you just get mentally defeated. And you wonder if maybe Northwestern might be at that point right now. Well, you're probably right, and I said this as at the end of the Instant Reaction podcast that if Pat Fitzgerald has been considering pushing any buttons or making any drastic decisions or moves, this is going to be the week that it happens. Um, you know, his, his disdain for Iowa going back to his play. It's just a chip on the shoulder. He's a good guy. Uh, it's just, you know, we all have things we use for motivations. I got chips stacked high on my shoulders every single day. And, uh, I think that I will see it. We'll see if that'll be enough because I think Iowa should win this game. Um, you know, Brandon Smith sounds like 
his injury to his lower leg was Kirk was wondering if it was going to be a bruise that he got whipped or kicked. I don't know. That's what he said at least uh, Saturday after the game. But I mean, he could, did not put any pressure on that leg walking off the field. So who knows if he'll be available for this game? And, and he's Iowa's uh, best receiving target. But you know, they're fortunate this year that they have some others as well. And Iowa's defense is really good. And the only thing that seemingly Northwestern can do is run the ball. And I think if you know where they're going to run it, because their quarterback isn't necessarily or hasn't been a threat to beat you with his arm as well as his legs, I think it bodes well for Iowa. But Iowa's had the talent advantage more often than not in these games against Northwestern and seen them lose those. So I certainly won't take anything for granted. Uh, That's all I have, unless you have any other thoughts, and we'll get on to some interesting commentary in the Big Ten. I would just say if and this is the game, if, if I'm Brian Ferentz, this is the game where we went through that stretch where we had to play Iowa State on the road, Michigan on the road, and come right back around and play Penn State at home. Okay. And, and then you got a game against Purdue where you've lost two in a row and you just, you got to end a losing streak. So you got to do whatever it takes to win. I'm totally fine with that. I didn't, I've not had a problem with their game plan the last few weeks. I think in the, in the 20 years you've known me, I have no issue with being critical. doesn't mean I'm right, okay? It doesn't mean I'm right, but I don't have – I'm not critical of their game plan the last few weeks. I'm, I think it's an acknowledgement of, of the limitations they have, and so I applaud them for it. doesn't mean every play call they've made I agree with or anything else, but, but I think it's by and large they have been attempting to compensate for their deficiencies. They have been practicing a level of self-awareness that for many years Iowa fans you know, thought they lacked. This is the game, I think, to get back to your brand. I think this is the game, you know, you're not, you're not playing for playoff positioning or anything of that nature. Don't worry about public perception, point spread. None of that matters. It doesn't matter if you win this game 17 to 10 or, or 37 to 10, you're going to, you're going to gain probably the same one or two spots in the AP poll when it's all said and done anyway, or the college football playoff rankings when those come out, come out actually the following week for the first time. If I'm Iowa, I know this, the likelihood I can go into Madison and win that game, throwing the ball 50 times with Nate Stanley is really low. And then I also have to look at that Minnesota game. And Minnesota has a level of balance, explosive potential balance on offense. I still don't know how good their defense is. I think their defensive numbers are largely a reflection of their schedule. But there is no denying the talent that they have and depth they have at the skill positions. I mean, they probably have their best wide receiver core in in in, a, in decades, what they have right mm. now. And then you throw out they they might have next to Ohio State the deepest stable of running of runners in the conference. And so you can't you're not going to likely win a track meet with them. You want to you want to force them to get down into the pitch with you. You can beat them in the muck and the mire. Meaning you, there's a very good likelihood Iowa can beat Minnesota 24 to 17. I don't think it's very likely Iowa can beat them 35 to 31, if you know what I'm trying to say. Okay, so if, if I were if I were the Ferentz coaching combo this week, to me Northwestern is 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 you know uh, good on good scrimmage. We've got we've we've got to get back to our brand. We have to establish some internal confidence in the running game. So that Nate Stanley's more successful throwing the throwing off of play action than when everybody knows that it's coming all the time. And I and I and if I were the Ferences, I would actually do opposite of what the public says. 
And I would go more into rebuilding our native identity that we're comfortable with on offense so that we've got it because Wisconsin losing that game opens the door now. And they're probably going to lose the next game, too, to Ohio State here in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So the door is wide open now. All right. So you tell me I'm just I'm just the guy that that analyzes. You're the fan and the analyst. Do you think there's a better chance Iowa can pull this out by doing what it has built a program to do best or by Nate Stanley just doing straight dropbacks 35 times a game? What do you think is most likely going to win here? I I think if they continue to run I formation, they continue to try to gain one yard when it's third and one as opposed to run their offense. When they continue to try to, to run out of heavy packages, which invites the defense stacking the box. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. They're, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. yeah. They're going to be in trouble against this front. But that's their bread and butter. That is their stock in trade. So I understand what you're saying, but if what you're saying means they're going to do the things I just mentioned, they're going to go nowhere. They're going to go nowhere. And this will be a game that's 13 10 or 14-10, as I think three of the last Iowa-Northwestern games have been where Iowa has scored 10 points and lost those games by a field goal or four points. I think they're going to have to – I think they're going to have to mix it up or they're going to have to get creative and get Goodson out and do – you know, play more mesh concepts and things like that because Northwestern is – you know, they're not – I don't – I haven't seen them be a big zone drop team. So I, I don't I don't think that Iowa, the brand that we've seen that wants to come out and do the outside zone, they want to just run their bread and butter out of their, you know, out of their fullback with the tailback set. No, I don't think that's going to work. I don't know. Well, if I if I was an Iowa fan and I and I'm thinking winning the West is a realistic goal. And I agree. It is a realistic goal. Who knows how it realistic, is. I mean, it's, it's definitely right there, realistic. It, yes. Yeah. If, I, if I'm an Iowa fan and, and I'm thinking about winning the West. I would come out of this game thinking I've got a better chance to do that, winning this game 21 to 10, and we ran for 200 yards, than winning this game 31 to 10, and Nate Stanley threw for 300 yards. Just my thoughts. Yeah, and you're right. The players absolutely can go into this week, and the coaching staff will certainly remind them that the goals they had before the year began are still there. A Big Ten championship is still within their grasp. Just keep plugging. If they lose against Northwestern, it won't be there. All right, we'll talk more about that Big Ten West race on the Bigger Ten Podcast. For Steve, I'm John. We will talk to you soon. Looking for the best flooring values? It's all here at Floors Direct. Save now during our Stocktober sale. Find the best selection at the lowest prices on top quality in stock floors. Rake in the savings during Stocktober. Floors Direct. Say yes to paying less.